Welcome to Get Big Out Loud Radio, where we explore living the complex, funny, and beautiful ride of life with me, Carrie Knutson, and Dr. Pat on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Are your thoughts keeping you small? Are you ready to get big? I will offer you ideas to transform what you are thinking into conscious action. Explore what is keeping you small and how to shift your behaviors in order to get big. Learn what is possible for you. Get ready to get big and live life out loud starting now. Hey, everybody, I want to welcome you to an incredible show. I, okay, Carrie Knudsen joining me here today, Get Big Out Loud. Now, there are people that have been with the network for, I just want to say a long time. And one of the things that even even folks don't know, this is our 20th year. And we're celebrating our 20th year of a show. And the reason I'm talking about this is because Carrie has brought the topic of the year to the table today, meaning making. And the reason I want to, I want to, I want to mention this is because 20 years ago, I had this thing called crust busting your way to an awesome life. It was a coaching platform. I did talks on it. I taught it. And it was the only thing I could do to pull myself out of a complete depressed state And it came to me and then it took on a life of its own. But that is the show that we gave birth to on a digital platform in 2003 and then took the AMFM stations by storm in 04. And this is our 20th year of that. Um, Not our 20th year for the Transformation Network yet, but this is our 20th year. And so today, I want to say to all you out there is, listen, I know you may have some doubts. I know you may not think that you're the person that is meant to do the things that that are in your heart. But I'm not going to talk about it. Carrie Knudsen is going to talk about it. Why? She is one of the most sought after speakers. When you hear her speak, just get out of the way. It is the kind of conversation that helps you rise up. But besides that, the therapist, storyteller, mom, she she still she and I are still going to do the closeted rap artist thing. We, we're going to do it. I'm going to really call her for us to write a rap song based on our theme this year is 2024, the year to expect more. But beyond all that, she takes all of this, including emotional quotient, emotional intelligence, human development, puts it together so that she can help the rest of us step in, step up, and step out. Today, it's all about meaning making. Carrie Wright, welcome. I'm so great to have you. Happy 2024, the year to expect more. Yes, the year of awesomeness. I'm so excited to be with you. And and this is our 43rd episode. Do you know that? And it's so exciting to me that we have done 43 of these. Um, And I'm excited for 2024 to bring more topics to people and explore them in our show. Because I think Get Big Out Loud as the opportunity, like you said, like how do we explore different topics that make meaningful connections with people and have impact and help people really shift their thinking in order to shift their lives. So that's a wonderful thing to be a part of. So I'm so grateful to be here with you. Okay. Now last thing, and then you're going to take over. There was a year in my life where somebody thought that I was so, so awfully 
out of alignment, really. Like this was, this was a friend of mine uh, that they handed me a book and it's related to today's show. It was Victor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Now, you could have given me that book when I got it. Like I have to do the exact date and it, I cried reading it. But today, meaning making and your topic today, this is the thing that people are hungry to know your secret formula. Let's talk about it. What is it about meaning making that is so 2024 expect more type energy and yet 2021, I just can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a shift. Well, I mean, think about all the things that have happened since then, especially not just the pandemic, which framed everything, but our opportunities, our sense of hope, um, what's possible for us, physical restrictions, emotional restrictions, just, I, I think sometimes when you're just in survival mode, you can't actually process things past that. And 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 so I feel like we're, we're, inching out of that thought pattern and it's exciting and hopeful to think what's ahead we have more freedom more opportunities to be to be thinking and to be hoping than we did back then and why i chose meaning making for this podcast was the idea of could we use our minds to choose to make meaning out of things that are beneficial to us and are helpful and if we don't know that we're meaning making we can't do that so i thought let's break it down and go back to how human beings love to make meaning out of things. We are meaning-making machines. We love to think, oh, this this means good luck. This means bad luck. Uh, this means all um, something good will happen to me if I hit a sign for this. Or um, if I have this certain car, that means something about me. Or if I live at this certain address, that means something else about me. So we have all these symbols and ideas around status and meaning, and we just do it all the time without even thinking about it. And sometimes meaning making is to our benefit and we make positive connections. A lot of times, however, we use meaning making and we think it is the truth and we don't realize that we've made meaning. So instead of being proud of ourselves or happy or whatever, we said, well, if I had this, then I would be happy. Or because I don't have this, I can't be happy or what, whatever we say, or I'm just unlucky because this, and here's my proof or, um, my status, because I never did this or got this degree, that means I can't or I'm not good enough. And so a lot of times we tell ourselves stories around meaning and we never question them. We never question, is this true, helpful, good, thoughtful? Um, is it outdated? And so that's why I wanted to bring it up today because I wanted to just start the thinking about meaning. What areas, if you look at your own life, I look at my life, I can look at lots of places where I've made meaning that might not serve me. And, and that's, and, and it can be like ridiculous things like, um, kind of car you drive, <laughs> like if it has status or not, like, does it mean I've made it or not to the kind of degree that you have, um, to, to even, this is so ridiculous. But, um, when I first had, um, I first had my first baby, somebody gave me this fancy diaper bag and I didn't think it was really useful. It was super fancy, but it, the fabric was weird. And I was like, I don't really like this. And so I was like, that's a, I don't know what I can't even think of the brand, but it's a. Yeah, exactly. 
right? And yeah. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't care because it doesn't seem really functional and the fabric seems weird and I don't like it. They're like, you should like it. It's really means this is an expensive bag. I'm like, I don't, it's not my bag. But I thought I had to laugh because the meaning from the label and the expense didn't serve the function and what I liked. And since I didn't know it was a big deal, I didn't act like it. And everyone else is like, that's a, and I'm like, yeah, I don't like it. And it's, I wasn't attached to the meaning for that. Right. And so I think we can look at areas of our lives and it's just helpful. What I, what I think about it is doing like an audit and thinking about have I made me, where am I making meaning that may be helpful or not? And what, what am I doing in my, my meaning making mind? And a lot of us do this with our bodies. Like if our body is in a certain shape, oh. our weight is in a certain, then, then that means something. So the number on the scale has a whole story with it. And if we don't look a certain way or we can't fit into our clothes the way we think we should, then it has a whole story to it. And that's another example of going down a road where you think, does this serve me? Is it the truth? Is it helpful? Does it motivate me? Yes or no. So I just want to put that out there as like, we could do a little audit on ourselves and say, what parts of my life am I really on overdrive with my meaning making? Yeah. I mean, I love that we're talking about this because meaning making so often can take on, it could be incidental, just like the diaper bag, right? It can yeah. be incidental or it can be life altering. I mean, we will take action in our lives, right? That we think will give serious stuff. I'm not talking about average everyday things, although average everyday things, when you add them up, right? And we start to look at these things we have we either align with, we want to acquire. In a given day, you could be making meaning out of stuff that really just has no real meaning to you and not even know it. You know what I'm saying? Like you oh. go through your day, right? Yeah. Well, when you ask people, what what are your priorities versus what you're doing? And sometimes you're like, my family, my health, um, time to like be me, whatever. And then like, what are you doing? Working, working and working, right? Like, so sometimes those things are like out of alignment or idea of like, what am I chasing? I better get my degrees and then I better get a house, then I better get married, then I better have kids and I better check all these boxes. Yeah. Um, and sometimes in the pursuit of that meaning, like what, what makes a good life? Like th those are the things you're talking about, life altering. And then when people have essentially what we call their midlife crisis, it's because it's a crisis of meaning, Oh my gosh, I thought this is what I wanted and now it's not. And what's the truth? And so that that's what you're talking about. It can be inconsequential. It can be very consequential. And and the best thing that we have to to use is our minds. And we think, why am I thinking this way? Yeah, yeah. Purpose does it serve? The idea of metacognition that we've talked about before, thinking about your thinking is the start of understanding why you give certain things meaning. And it can even be like, it's a simple, like, um, if someone gives you something and says, if I gave you something and say, Dr. Pat, this ring was my grandma's and I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to tell you a whole story about it and how special it was to her. And then how it came to my mom and then me now it comes to you. And then there's a story when really it's a ring, right? <laughs> and, and at the end of the day, but I've made all this meaning and I've told you the story. So now if I give it to you with all this meaning, I'm attaching that to you and I'm giving you that. So now that's yours to carry in a way. Um, oh yeah. The yeah. things being just what it is. Yeah. Especially after I lose it playing ping pong. Um, 
Linda, Linda stopped giving me watches because I was the worst with them, right? But let me just, let's just talk about this because one of the things is don't value the valueless. Last year, I was faced with what's what's meaning to me. What what is the what is true valued infused meaning to to Pat? What is it? And when my best friend, when I got the SOS call later than I should have, by the way, but when I got it. It wasn't a question mark to get on that plane and come out and go to New Jersey. And it was so funny about that. And congratulations to Jessica, Emily, and Sierra for stepping up for me. But you know what I was asked? What? By business coaches. Who's going to run the business? So I looked at this one person and I said, first of all, Saving my best friend's life is my number one priority. Second of all, I have a great team. Third of call, third, I am never, ever, ever going to put a thing in front of, in in in, in a higher priority than somebody I love. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't do it for us versus you, Carrie. And you know, but I had to face myself to get to that value, right? But you see that little feedback I get so furious at the question but it made me think what do we do when we hear when we get feedback when we what what do we do but but doesn't it also call us to take a look at what is real meaning yeah sometimes have you ever been in a situation where you look at your life because this is where I was before 20 years ago I didn't think my life had any meaning at all I really didn't. I had a year after school where I thought I am lost, Carrie, I am lost. But what if we think there's a big fat zero for us? Well, and this is when you say, why do I think I'm a big fat zero? Like, why does life not have meaning? When you think about how we've been taught to think about what has value. And if we don't have those things, let's say we're struggling, we don't have strong family relationships and we're struggling, we feel isolated, or let's say we've been rejected from our family. And then the meaning of family looks so different or we're lamenting, oh, I don't have any biological family. And then you don't think about making a chosen family for yourself, right? So you think like I've missed out on this, I've lost. And we make meaning out of like, again, we should have, family, then we should have education. And then what if you didn't have your education? Or what if you missed out? Like you feel like you, what if you didn't take the traditional track or, or you didn't have opportunities? And then we, we judge ourselves based on that. And then we give that meaning too. And again, it's meaning not in a thoughtful, positive, helpful way. It's meaning in like, and this is why I don't measure up. And this is why I'm not enough. And, and then you don't question like, do I have inherent worth or value? And the answer I know is absolutely yes. We have inherent worth and value that we don't have to earn. It's because we're here. We, we showed up and that's that's enough. And a lot of us don't start there and be like, I'm enough right now. And the idea of creating meaning connects to perfectionism, worthiness, and then values that, that may not reflect our true selves. And so like you said, is my business my value? Absolutely. Does my friendship trump the business? Absolutely. And when we think about, you know, on our deathbeds, no, no one literally says, I wish I worked more. <laughs> you know, what do people <laughs> say? People say, tell so-and-so I love them. I mean, all we are is love at the end. Like, I love you. And yeah. 
that's what most people reflect. But yet we live our day to day in the pursuit of things that we feel have meaning or value. And a lot of times we don't reflect until we get to a crisis point or we don't reflect until we're like, something is not right here. Or we don't reflect until maybe someone says, why do you value that? (laughs) What's up with that? Yeah. What's up with that? You know, let's take a look at this for a minute because I don't want to leave much out before we take a look. You've got so many stories to share, but I really want to get the talk, take a look at the different areas of our lives. You know, somebody, I don't know who did this, but once upon a time, somebody created these assessment tools. So one of my favorite is the wheel of life. Of course I've modified it, but the wheel of life is kind of cool. The wellness wheels are kind of cool. So basically what are they? They're like, they give you these little uh, 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 pizza slices of your life. I got a pizza craving. The little pizza slices of your life. And they say, oh, assess where you are today and where you want to be. And you got to pick this number, right? And nine times out of 10, what happens sometimes is I know where I am today. And I'm afraid to say where I want to be because I don't think I'm going to get there. I think that, you know, for me, part of the problem that I'm having is I am struggling between how perfect I need to be and how unworthy I actually feel. And so these paradoxes that happen for people really affect our ability to hear what is inside of us that calls us. It is so important to get to the place. Look at you. You walked away from, what can I say, nine to five job? You walked away from a job, secure job, because there was something in your heart, right? There was something that felt more meaningful. Yes. But you, but you had to take a chance and do it. Help us do that. Help us explain to us, all of the folks listening, my leap of faith 20 years ago, another leap of faith in 2009, another leap of faith this year in 2020. It's like you build up a muscle to follow That thing, I I keep pointing to my heart. I don't even know if that's right. What do you think? I keep going like my heart. Like, I don't know. Is it my heart? Is it my head? Where is it? (laughs) It's all connected. (laughs) And and to what you're, I think what you're speaking to, Dr. Pat, is this idea of our search for meaning, which when you brought up Victor Frankl's book, Man's Search for Meaning, what does this mean? And it's what we tend to think of, if we think philosophically, an existential crisis. Like, what if it doesn't mean anything? Oh my God. And the, the that's the scary part of existentialism and the gift of existentialism is thinking about meaning making to our benefit. But the crisis is what if it doesn't mean anything? And then we freak out because no, we have these rules and, and values and ideas and what it means. And the, the, the great power in that is choosing to make meaning. Like really, if you do look at it, things are just things. Interactions are just interactions. Like why do I, if you raised your eye at me and gave me a little something and then I'm like, Dr. Pat doesn't like me and she thinks <laughs> I'm bad or she never liked me to begin with and I could tell myself a whole story. Or have you ever noticed if someone doesn't email you back right away, you think like, <gasps> oh no, what do you think? And then you make a whole story when maybe they're just busy. But we, we, we don't, you, our brains, we have to contain them and say, hey, brain, look what you just did there. Hey, that was really interesting how you just made a story up about that look or that not emailing you back in time or that someone cut you off or that um, someone or that you got, let's say you got laid off. Right. And oh, let's say something happened and you said like, I'm not worthy because I got laid off versus the company restructured. I'm a number to them. This is what happened to me. 
and not like, and then I'm bad. Right? Oh so, my gosh. Are you nailing it today on this? Yeah, but that's, that's the way we have to think from the small things to the big things, but that's the great power of our minds. And it's also just a caveat when you start thinking that these thoughts, it's, it's easy to make, judge yourself. So, Oh, I can't believe I'm thinking this way. I can't believe it. It's, it's, it's not an opportunity to judge yourself. It's an opportunity to be curious. Like, why did I make up that story? Why did I say that thing? And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you a quick and ridiculous story because it ties in. Um, I had, I uh, had a couple of experience with horses. I'm not a big horse rider at all, but in a short amount of time, I had ridden three different horses, probably in over three or four months for horse related things. I don't in Colorado. We did some horse things. Okay. So <laughs> but each experience was, was not very good with the horse. Like the first one, the horse went off the trail. The second one, the horse wouldn't move at all. The third one time it bucked around and I got so scared. Then I read an article about horses that said, horses know the truth of people. Horses know. And they and then, then this whole thing. And then I thought, oh, my God, you know what? Th my brain was like, horses don't like you and there's something wrong with you. And then I was like, oh, no, I'm broken. Horses know that I'm broken and the horses don't. And I'm like, made up this whole story. And what was actually happening in like real life versus versus my magical thinking land was like, I was feeling really unsure of myself. I was feeling highly critical of some things I hadn't done what I felt right. I was feeling like, um, I wasn't perfect in the ways I wanted to be. And I, I was feeling lost too, at this point for well any number of reasons. Right. So I'm reading this article and I'm crying and the course is no, I'm, something's deeply wrong with me. I'm broken. And my husband's like, what in the actual hell? just happened you had some experience with horses you read an article and then you made up the story and now you're broken exactly oh my gosh carrie this happened saturday to me i can't believe you just nailed it okay so you know i play table tennis so i go to play on saturday right? right but i but i play singles now i'm playing more singles than doubles so i i was playing singles with the, this 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 guy said do you want to play and I said, yeah. So here's what happened. We go to play and he says, I'll, I'll spot you two points. And I say, what? He says, I'll give you two points. Why? Right. Okay. Right. Well, so that's where the story begins. Why are you giving me two points? Why are you spotting? I, sa I said, but the, what happened with that with me was He's giving me two points because he doesn't think I can beat him. Mm -hmm. So he's actually giving me two points that took on a life of its own. It literally, I couldn't shake it. Mm -hmm. And I, I tried to say to him, no, you know, what did I learn from that? The answer has got to be no. And if you just don't want to play me straight up, then I need to walk away. But I didn't. And I realized that everything you just said, now this is a small thing to a lot of people, but I'll tell you, there are the small things every day that we do this that really mount up. But really what he was saying is, you're not good enough to really play me. I have to give you two points. And, and I made that whole story about that. Yeah. And instead of playing my game, I worried about the two points for three matches. Lost all three. And even after be, even after winning. And so it's a fascinating phenomenon. Now, 
if we do something with something like that, what do we do when our boss gives us feedback? Oh, what do we do yeah. with that? Well, and I love both of our examples because see how we took something small and then created a story around it. And then we look for proof and then it gets in our heads and then we start to think. And this is like with a spiral effect. And when you spiral like this, it's hard for your brain to like attach to something because it's just going around and around and around. And it's hard to refocus. And it's really good if and especially if anyone listening out there finds themselves doing this, it's a very human phenomenon to spiral that way. And so it's, what's great to think about is notice, oh, I'm spiraling. Oh, I made up a story about that. Oh, this is really bothering me. And then be able to stop and just be like, okay, I'm going to reframe for a minute. Or I'm going to understand why this is bothering me. Or like in my horse story, I'm, when he's, I'm feeling really, really broken in other parts of my life. So I'm using this as a really judged in other parts of my life. And, and I have to say, now we can make a joke about it. So if I do anything ridiculous, my husband's like, the horses know the truth of you, right? Like, so we can make a joke out of it. But some, if I had to, something else was going on that made that story more plausible. And since I couldn't talk about my real thing, my insecurities, my feeling lost, my feeling maybe out of control or like not respected or whatever, all those things were going on. It was easier to displace all of those emotions and have it show up in the horse story and then have it play out than it was for me to sit with those really difficult feelings. And so those we, we do this as humans too. We displace because it, it can be hard to sit with it. So it's easier yeah. to displace. So you might be feeling like the, that guy could have been like, I got a chance to play this late. I thought, wouldn't it be nice to give her two points? Let's go. And he might not have thought of anything else. But you attach to that. And who knows? Is it like, because I switched table tennis because I had to leave and come back? Is it because of my age? Is it because what do you think? <laughs> of me? You know, because he doesn't know who I am. Right. And then I got to prove myself. And so then you're in that whole space. Right. Of, exactly. And, and then we have to go back down. And in the moment, it's so hard, Dr. Rat. It's so hard. But the, the, the invitation is to look at situation in our lives like this and be like, what can I learn? about how I'm thinking so that possibly next time I might do it better. Or I might catch myself earlier in the spiral or I might let it be what it is. It might just be what it is. I love this. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk about one of the most common things that most of you do every single day, and that's work. And we're going to address this. What happens in the work situation, whether you're an entrepreneur, and there are a couple of examples that we're going to look at. One example is going to be the dreaded feedback from the boss or a peer. And then the other one is the dreaded comment from a client. Uh, before we do that, Carrie, how do people work with you? How do they sign up for coaching with you? Speaking, all of the above. Let folks know. They go to KnutsonSpeaks.com. It's K-N-U-T-S-O-N Speaks.com. And you reach out to me. Um, I do coaching. I do speaking. Um, and I do speaking on a number of topics. I say I take psychology off the couch and bring it to people. So you don't have to go to see a therapist. I'll come to see you. And um, also, my coaching work is for small groups that want to work together, especially work groups and people trying to solve problems or just get have support. And then individuals. And individuals are for people who want to work on personal, like, how do I think about my emotional intelligence? How do I solve problems at work? And then also individuals who want to get better at public speaking. So I love 
I have two kind of tracks of my coaching because I do so much speaking and I think the world needs better speakers. And there's a lot of people out there who wish they could be a speaker, who want to try or have ideas, but uh, don't know how to make that first step or how to organize their thoughts or have a speech, but are freaked out about it. So that's also what I offer coaching on. And then also covered in this next segment is this. I hope you all are ready for this. The money meaning. The money meaning. You wake up one day, you look at the fact that maybe you've invested in yourself or something, and all of a sudden you're looking around and you have the money meaning, or better yet, the lack of money meaning. I haven't done all this. I'm not making any money. I don't know what I don't know what to do. The stock market has crashed. When we come back, is that you? Are you thinking, oh my goodness, I really did splurge? Over the holiday now, I'm like, got to get a new, get a third job. I don't know what you're thinking, but I'll tell you when it comes to money, pretty much will guarantee it's on your mind. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Are you ready to get big and live your life out loud? Tune in to Get Big Out Loud Radio, exploring life through the lens of curiosity and compassion with me, Carrie Knudsen, joining Dr. Pat live every second Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I will offer ideas to transform what you are thinking into conscious action. If you want to get big and live your life out loud, visit me at KnudsenSpeaks.com. Activate your DNA with the light codes of creation and implement the life of your dreams with the help of Pam Bright, a multidimensional healer, a light language channel, and a spiritual transformational coach. Pam offers a variety of sessions to heal your mind, body, and soul vibrations. She will connect you with your spirit team, activate your chakras, and more. Not sure what service is best for your journey? Find out by scheduling a free discovery call by visiting brightbutterflynetwork.com. Hey, everybody, welcome back. It is so great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. This is Get Big Out Loud with Carrie Knutson. and I'm Dr. Pat. I get to take that complex and beautiful ride of life with her every show we do. It's amazing. Today's show is, is so important. It's called meaning making. Are you doing that? You know, what do we mean by that? How are we triggered either by other situations, other people, you know, it could be anything, right? You walk, get to walk out of the door and your, 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 your honey says to you, oh, now I know why you don't wear pink, Pat. Um, Carrie Knudsen, <laughs> oh, that's so harsh. <laughs> wow, you picked a harsh one. But I'm just saying, you, you know, I, I mean, if Linda ever said that to, to me, I'd, I'd make her eat the shirt. But other than that, but let's start with work. We're in work a lot. This is especially important for me. You know, I designed one of the first 360 degree feedback processes in the United States. I did it for the phone company and then I regretted it. The abuse of feedback. But let's talk about, have you ever had any stories at work where somebody may have said to you, Carrie, that, 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 that. 
Oh yeah. And I think all of us, when you think about feedback, most of our, most people are like feedback. Yeah. I can't wait. Most <laughs> of us hear the word feedback and we prepare ourselves, right? Hey, can I give you some feedback? Notice even, Hey, can you like the first notice even in your body? Like usually we get a little constricted up here. We're like prepared to like defend or like we're thinking, what are they going to say? Um, so, so first we have to think about the word feedback is, is laden with a story about that. And then what I think about my own experience with feedback, I learned a really important lesson a while ago that has benefited me to this day. When I got some feedback from a supervisor who that was negative um, around something like my yearly performance at this, as a certain job. And it was, it was overly harsh and negative in my opinion. And then I called my mom about it because I was so upset because I feel like here I am working hard, doing my best. And I was like, mom, the supervisor was horrible. She gave me a horrible review and said all these mean things. And my mom was like, well, how well do you know her? How much time does she spend with you? Um, what kind of relationship do you have? And I was like, she's seen me once this year. She doesn't even probably know more. She, I bet she doesn't know my first name. Um, it was all just like around random stuff that I, I don't even feel connected to the job that I'm doing. And it was overly negative. So she's like, so honey, why are you valuing what this person is saying so much? Is it because she's your boss? Is it because what she says goes? Is it because you believe it's the truth? Like she did a great job of like neutralizing. She goes, why do you care so much? And, and, uh, and I was like, had to think about it. Is it because she's my boss and I'm supposed to care what my boss says? Like, but then she said to me something that was so profound. And she says, don't value the valueless. And it hit me so hard. I'm like, I am placing so much perceived value on a situation with very little. This person doesn't know me. We don't have a relationship. So they just wrote a bunch of stuff down around a cursory view of something, picked any negative thing they could say. And now here's your, here's your report. And I was taking it like a mark on my soul. Like, you don't like me. You think I'm failing. I am failing probably. I can do it. And my supervisor said so. And then I am pretty emotional anyway. So like I tend to go down that rabbit hole. But when my mom said that, it almost was like someone hit me with a brick. And I was just like woke up. And I was like, oh my God, don't value the valueless. And and reality testing that can be so interesting because who is the feedback coming from? What is their intention? How well do they know you? What is the end goal of the feedback? Like to help you get better or to hurt you? Also, when you think about feedback, our own minds, when we think about, could feedback help me? And the answer is definitely yes. We all need feedback. It's this good thing about, am I open to it? Who's the source? How well do they know me? What's the perceived outcome for the purpose? And, and I always say this now, especially when, like I put myself out there a lot being a professional speaker and you are always going to be judged in some way, in ways that you may not even know. And you could speak to a hundred people and 99 of them will love you. And one person's like, meh, or like, that was horrible. And our brains just totally focus again on what's wrong instead of what's right. And it's important to then step back and be like, okay, brain, I see what you're doing. Because we want to please everyone. We want to be perfect. We want them to like us. And we have to reality test that with the human interaction. Like, I'm not for everybody. And not everyone's for me. And yeah. I'll go see something and I'll be like, oh, let's go see a movie. I'm like, well, it was okay. And other people are like, it was great. And other movies, I'm like, it was great. And other people are like, it's okay. It's like, that's our human dynamic. So yeah. when sometimes, especially when I get feedback, that's to me, I'm like, really need to think about it. 
don't value the valueless. Like, where's it coming from? What's the purpose? Do I value my relationship with this person? Do they value me? So I really use that as a litmus test to think about where I'm placing my energy and my emotion. Is it a value that's a perceived one and may not have as much value or is it a real value? And that's a moment of what I call discernment. And that is such a beautiful key to have in your tool tool belt to be like, I'm going to practice being discerning. And and that's one of the things I use all the time. Don't value the valueless. Mary Isabella, my mother said that. Yeah. And you know, what a beautiful statement, because this is part of being, mama used to say, girls, you all need to take the best and leave the rest. Now we never, it took us about 40 years to figure out what she meant, but what she really was talking about is her own journey of, I mean, when you have your first child at 12 and your second one at 13, of course you were going to get a lot of grief, but Mm -hmm. what we're trying to say today is discernment is a fabulous word for this year. It's a fabulous word for any year, but you have to decide, right? What is it that was just said to me that is mean, does present a level of meaning for me that's going to benefit me, that's going to help me. You know, what book was it? The four, Four Agreements, Don't Take Anything Personally. I don't know which book it was. It was either my buddy, Don Miguel, or it was- Yeah, I think it's The Four Agreements. I think so. Okay, okay. Yeah, I, I read that and I said, really? I mean, I'm not right. I'm like, okay. But what he's saying is, this is your life's journey. This is the journey. Um, I want to ask you this question because sometimes it is about that. Let's just talk to the entrepreneurs for a minute. Mm-hmm. In the world we live in, we all strive for an A plus rating in customer service. Sometimes you get it. And sometimes you don't. This also applies to the clients. And, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, if you can't sort this out, Carrie, the way you just described, you will not be in business for long, right? Yeah. Well, because we will strive. What happens when you're an entrepreneur, especially, is it's just, it's you. And a lot of times we put our identity into our work. And so then if someone judges our performance, so to speak, through our business, it's us personally. And we have to think about the distinction between like, is this, are you judging me or are you judging my performance? Are you judging my business acumen versus my soul? And and it's hard because sometimes people say, oh, this is my baby or this is my, this is my thing. And I often say like, don't think of it that way. <laughs> Try to think of it as like, this is a product that I'm doing that I'm passionate about. This is a service I'm providing, which I love, but it's not, my baby it's not like me then when we hold it that close i think sometimes it's extra hard because you you can't you don't criticize someone's baby right so think a little bit about i'm i'm providing a service i'm doing something that i perceive has value and i'm doing it in a certain way and i can be passionate about it and i can love it and you still have to have some level of detachment so when someone says in essence i don't like your performance i don't like how you did that i don't like what you're about that you don't suddenly take it so personally that you can't keep going or you can't see where to filter that in the feedback. And I've gotten such good feedback over the years that it's helped, that it's helped me change my presentations and it's helped me be a better yeah. speaker. So I had to be open to it. But I also have to know that at the end of the day, some at some point, Knudsen Speaks will not be Knudsen Speaks and Carrie will still be Carrie. And so I have to know, like, I'm, I'm, I gotta, I gotta separate my personal, my professional way that doesn't cost me. It doesn't cost me 
and and that that can be hard, especially when we're passionate. But that's again the opportunity, right? The opportunity is: can I separate some of this, and can I put feedback in its place? Because we all need it, and it's very helpful. And we have to think about the source and the, the outcome, but we also have to not be so dependent on it. Like, do you like me? Do you think I'm good? Do you love it? Oh. Because then we're living in the approval state of I desperately need your approval. I need you to like me. I need you to think that I'm good. And I'll just add to this that a lot of time when I'm doing coaching for public speaking, people get so nervous because they feel personally judged. And what I try to reframe is to think about the content is the show. The content is the king. The content, there are, nobody looks through the program description of a conference unless you're Oprah. No one's looking for your name. They're looking <laughs> for your topic. Right? They're looking for the, what wisdom can you, what idea do you have on a topic? So then you can take it out of your personal realm and be like, I'm going to focus on my content being awesome. And I'm the delivery vehicle. But again, just notice how we get wrapped up in that idea. Like I am the thing that I'm producing versus I'm producing this thing. You might like it. You might not. It doesn't mean you like me or you don't like me. It's a, it's a, like the separation of those two things is vital, especially if you're an entrepreneur, because it's what you're putting out in the world. Yeah. Well, let me just let me just tag team this for a minute, because there is a consequence of this that I'd like you to talk about. You've talked about this before. And it's called codependence. Now, I don't like a lot of terms out there. I don't like categories, but I don't know how to explain it, except if I use that word for, for the audience for today. Mm-hmm. And what do I mean by that? is there is this idea that I have to keep striving to make you happy. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I I mean, even the most ridiculous feedback or comments or any of that, I'm not going to be able to sleep tonight. I just not going to be able, I'm not going to be able to sleep. Mm -hmm. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning and I'm just going to be like thinking, Oh my gosh, don't wear that pink shirt. Whatever it is that you're going to think. Right. But when you're an entrepreneur, you have to have some healthy boundaries about this. Let's talk about boundaries for a minute. Yes. Oh my gosh. It it completely ties into boundaries. And it's, it's important to think consciously about your boundaries again, so that you're not just blowing right through it. And then, and then you're getting so hurt. And that again, is the meat ties into meaning ties into values, Boundaries are so important because we have to have self-preservation and we have to know we are not the things that we produce. Again, it comes back to our value. Am I not worthy? Am I not valuable unless I produce something, unless I do something? Mm -hmm. And that answer is no, you're, you're worthy and you're valuable just because you're here. You showed up with value. You do not have to do things to prove your worth. And a lot of times we act like the more I do, the busier I am, yeah. the more I achieve according to whatever society says is, you know, of value, then I'm winning. And that's when we say the juxtaposition is if I haven't achieved those things, if I don't have those physical, tangible objects, um, like the car I drive or the house I live in or whatever, that, like then I'm not, then I'm nothing. And so we have to weigh this out with our with our worthiness is internal and it's, it's already, it's already there. And so when we do things past the point of that, when we're contributing and putting things in the world, then we have to ask, what's our motivation? What's why? And then when we get feedback on that, we have to say like, is this meaningful? Is this helpful? And then what <laughs> stories am I telling myself about it? Oh and my God. It's all, this is the map. This is, and again, you know, what's happening in the world? 
the world's just going on. We are in the meaning making mix of all this sitting in the, you know, and again, that's what I want to talk about. We can use it to our benefit and we could use it to our detriment. And if we're going to do it anyway, why not think about it consciously? And why not, I don't know, like stick a pin in the spiral and be like, wait a minute. I see what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> well, well you, you, there's a reason that you came up with this podcast title. I want to talk about that. And it's so funny because last night, you know, I we're I'm, we're moving things around. I wanted to clean. I wanted to change my office slash sanctuary, but I put meaning to it. Here's what I put. So I also got a new com a new computer because yeah. my beautiful laptop here is showing signs of stuff. Right. So I said, to, I said, I, I want to do this. I want to claim this. So lo and behold, time goes on. It's like a whole day of this and I'm working on it. Linda's helping me and removing stuff. And there's a point you could see the exhaustion in us, right? We've moved furniture. We, you know, you could see it and you could see that it was time to quit. And Linda said something to me. I said, no, I can't. I have to finish this room before I can open my laptop what what does the laptop have to do with finish it right what right. like but don't you understand i have to have it finished the room complete and then i'm gonna bring the laptop in here and then i'm like uh, and, and my triple Fergo friend says are you kidding but it's but so perfect right because it's such an example of why do I feel I have to complete the whole task? Like some of us won't even do a task if we don't feel we can complete it because half finished is not enough. Or even if we say, oh, I underestimated the time that it would take me to finish. So I'm going to finish later. But no, I'm failing. So I can't have to do it. Or I made some rule up about I can't open my laptop till this is finished. And then you again, that's just a rule you made up. Does it serve you? Is it helpful? Yes or no? And you're looking at it like, what does this have to do with that? But see how we connect. <laughs> I know. Well, look, you you came up with the idea for today's show by a conversation and a haiku talk, right? Yes. So I went, I came with my husband and we were, why this frozen river? And I have been reading a lot of Mary Oliver poems and, and her book. And it's all, she's so incredible how she describes nature and um, how thoughtful she is. And so I was just like, oh my God, this is like the most perfect natural moment because half of the river was frozen, half of it was running. And Joe was talking about the ice, you know, still moving, but being slower moving <laughs> than the water. We were having this big conversation. I thought it's just so beautiful. And I said, what do you think Mary Oliver would say about this? What do you, she would say it means. And he's like, what if it means nothing? <laughs> What if it means there's water in a river? And then and then he added to that. He's like, what if you thought about what you thought it means? Why do you have to ask Mary Oliver everything? <laughs> and so then we had this conversation of like, what if it means nothing? And, and then I thought, I snapped back at him when he said, what if it means nothing? I was like, it definitely means something. Everything means something. And I said it with such, you know, commitment. And then we laughed because I was like, oh my God, I think everything should mean something i look for meaning everywhere oh. i seek it out and i i filter my interactions through that and it's really interesting that i'm married to someone who is very much more like it is what it is because <laughs> he counters that a lot and i still think my quality is a great quality i'm not saying it's bad but it is really interesting for me to think about 
why do I always feel the need to ascribe meaning? And when I was looking at the river, I'm like, what do you think it means? He goes, what if it's just a river? What if it means nothing? A river is partially frozen and we're in front of it. And you think it's beautiful. Like it was just so funny. And it gave me this idea for the show because I'm like, everything means something. And then of course, it, that's what we're talking about today. Because um, I always talk about what I need to learn the most. And this is apparently what yeah. I need to learn the most this week. But I think it's a message for everybody because let's escalate social media. Let's expand the social media networks that are out there. All of them are doing it. Let's create something new. Now let's take all of that and get AI. AI is in everything. Okay. You know, four years ago, we created AI for the soul and people got so upset with us that we were using the word AI. Um, and now today, if you're not AIing it, you're just ain't doing it. And, you know, it's an interesting place we are. But you're right about that. I mean, I am a, a lot like you, like for me to have that room in a certain way in my crystals before I can open my laptop, that meant something to me. Mm -hmm. But then again, we both watched the Barbie movie. And that had a lot of meaning. Right. And I'm trying to have a conversation. What do you think about the end of the movie? Uh, it's the end of the movie. No, I mean, what do you think about how the movie ended? Like the outcome, it's Barbie. You, I mean, this is, the, and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Were you like watching the, you know, can you see, right? Right, but this is a perfect example. Like you ascribe meaning someone else doesn't and then there's the conflict, right? Like, it's why are you excited about this? Why do you want to talk about it? Why don't you see what I saw? And this is how we live our whole lives, oh, it right? Is. This is the human condition of the, and I call it the great negotiation. What do you <laughs> see versus what do I see? What do you feel versus what I feel? When you're negotiating constantly. But then you have to laugh. I love that both of us end up laughing because I have to laugh at myself and I have to say, yeah, it's, it is Barbie. And I'm going to have a different perspective on what I think about the movie. And it doesn't mean that everybody does. The other thing that I think that you said, let's talk about discernment because discernment's important too in the people we share meaningful things with and what we expect from them in terms of a response, you know, I don't know if it was my mama that said it or somebody, she said, oh, honey, you cannot get grapefruit from a hardware store. You can, like, I still don't think you can now, but maybe someday, but you can't get grapefruit from a hardware store. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard that before. But what she's saying to me, she's saying, Pat, you're in a hardware store, but you're fighting to get grapefruit. So don't we have to understand a bit more about the source and the reaction and the response and learn to laugh more sometimes? Oh, that's why that's why I share some of the stories about like me being ridiculous because in the moment the horse story was very real and I was crying because horses know. And then, you know, and then everything has meaning and whatever. And if you can't laugh at yourself about, or even that supervisor who I got so mad at. And then later I'm like, she's just doing her thing, thinking her thoughts. And like, I'm going to decide if this piece of paper is going to ruin my day or not. At some point, it took me a couple of days to get there. Right. But like, we have to think about these things and we do have to laugh at ourselves because we do take ourselves incredibly seriously. And we're always in the mode of art because we're us, we are the most important thing. And our thoughts are the most true and our experiences are what they are. And you should understand them. And that's the great 
again, challenge of life when you're when we're negotiating other people's very important things and thoughts and ideas. And that's that's then where this all comes and it starts in our thoughts. And that's what's so amazing about our human condition is that we are thinking things that cause us to behave in certain ways and to take actions in certain ways. So our thoughts are the catalyst for so many of these things. And that's where I'm fascinated by our thoughts and how we use them to our, to be better, right? And to make our lives better and to suffer less. Suffer and, less. And to create, if we're going to make meaning, let's make meaning out of things that help us feel successful and competent and help us feel loved and help us feel seen and help us feel like we're enough and we're worthy. Let's use our minds to do that because so many of us are suffering from not enoughness or perfectionism or one day when this happens, then I'll be instead of like, what about if I make meaning right now that's purposeful, thoughtful, useful, helpful, loving, kind, all those things, even curious, what's possible? That is the goal. That is the hope. You know, this is a great, great thank. Thank you to you and your husband. Thank you, Ms. Rose. Thank you, Frozen Lake, Frozen River, because you see, out of this, we have a conversation that's going to help people today. Carrie, thank you for today. Please, I would love for you to tell folks how they can find out more about you, how they can hire you as a coach, all of the above. And then I'd love to know your personal message for the day. Right. That's perfect. You can find me at knutsonspeaks.com. It's K-N-U-T-S-O-N speaks.com. And you can contact me there for anything you're interested in, whether speaking or coaching or connecting in any way. And the, the my closing message for today really centers on another author. So we brought up Viktor Frankl and we brought up Mary Oliver and another author that I love is Louise Hay. And she wrote a book that is just beautiful called You Can Heal Your Life. And she wrote uh, many, many other books um, as well. But in this book, the premise of this book, and she keeps saying again and again, it's only a thought and a thought can be changed. And that that line was so magical to me because I'm like, what if it's only a thought and a thought can be changed? And I have the power. I am the change maker of my own thought. So when I'm thinking about the meaning I'm giving the thought, it's only a thought. Do I want to keep the thought? Do I want to change the thought? It's only a thought and a thought can be changed. And if we know that in context of our meaning making, why don't we choose to move forward with thoughts again that are supportive and helpful? And if we think about thoughts that are not, instead of being like, I'm a failure, I'm broken, something's wrong with me, I'll never be a success. Could we, could we lighten the tone a little bit to be like, what if it's only a thought and a thought can be changed. And I'm going to start changing my thinking so that I can change my behavior. And that's where there's so much power. And that's what I hope to leave you with today. Carrie Knudsen, I love it. Again, your website for folks, please. Sure, it's www.knutsonspeaks.com. You can find me there. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram, all under Knutsen Speaks, a good Norwegian name, in my opinion. Linda would agree with you. Um, And maybe next time we will, maybe you'll let me know. What is it about owning 2024, the year of more? What is it about that? When you hear that, are you ready to rise up for that? Do you restrict? Do you constrict? How full is your receiving gene? Let's take a short one. Carrie Knutson, everybody. We'll see you in a few minutes. 
You have been listening to Get Big Out Loud Radio, where we explore the complex, funny, and beautiful ride of life with me, Carrie Knutson, joining Dr. Pat live every second Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. I will help you to know which thoughts are keeping you small in order for you to get big. Get big and live your life out loud. For more information, visit KnutsonSpeaks.com.